to Solomon and Smith, the podcast. Based on Solomon and Smith, the show. I'm Solomon. And I'm Smith. This episode features comedian Asaf Gerchak doing a set recorded live at the Bad Dog Theater in Toronto. What a dude. And later in the episode, we're going to be talking to Trevor Haldenby, a futurist. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Now we're heading over to Bad Dog to listen to Asaf Gerchak. Hello. Uh, what is it? Hey, happy holidays. Uh, I uh, happy holidays. Not Merry Christmas because of the war on Christmas, right? We are actually fighting it, right? Like if they're going to be convinced that there's a war on Christmas, Papa got to win some war medals, right? Like we got to. Nobody else in on that. I've been really aggressively being like, it's not Merry Christmas. I don't care. I love Christmas. I don't care, even a little bit. Uh, I'm really excited to be here. Uh, despite uh, an inability to inflect properly to indicate sincerity, I am actually excited to be here. It's the holidays, is how I'm going to segue into my jokes. Uh, and and it's it's the time for spending time with your family, theoretically, I guess. I'm not going to do that because uh, I spent time with my family recently. I spent a whole week with my parents uh uh yeah woo are you wooing because was that a sincere or sarcastic woo Okay, cool. We're on. You're on board. I, was, I I spent a week with my parents. It was actually fine. I should say that sounded like I was gonna be like it was the worst. It was totally fine. We have like our activities. I don't spend a lot of time with both of them at the same time. We have activities that we do together. My dad and I uh, go to sports games and jazz shows, and my mom and I talk about feelings. Uh, and that's the time. If no one has been there in a while, there are so many to talk about. You keep thinking they're done, and then there's more. And that so and so the one. It's like mostly fine this time. I've gotten really good at navigating them. My mom, my dad and I usually just sit in total silence. Uh, and, and my mom and I, when we're talking, we get into awful arguments because we love each other. Because that's how love works, right? That's what love is. That's why there's all those songs. Like, I want to know what love is. And I want you to shut up or whatever. All right. So I got I, it. Was, it was mostly fine this time. My mom and I only argued once. I'm really proud of that. A whole week with only one argument is good. But what we did was that we packed it into the last night and had the worst argument we We've ever had, ever. It got so ugly. We had the kind of argument, I'm, this is not a joke, we had the kind of argument where I said shit that's been building in me for years and I like knew it was coming and I couldn't control it and I like threw it at her aggressively. Like that kind of argument where you're like, nice time, nice time, nice time. You know, and it's just, and I said to her this thing that I've never even come close to saying before, really aggressively, where I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, well you do not support my comedy. That's like a big thing to accuse your mom of. Is like the art that you love and being like I was like you don't support it and I can tell you don't support it because you never ask me anything about it alright it shows that you don't care you have no questions for me you don't give a shit about what I'm doing what I care about and my mom got really quiet like and she just said I uh I know I don't ask a lot it's because I don't really know how to talk to you about it so I don't know how to find out things about the art that you do and I don't know enough to ask the right questions. And it makes me feel like I'm losing you. And I was like, oh my god. This is supposed to be about me? <laughs> like, I need to be damaged. <laughs> I'm an artist. You don't get me at all. <laughs> 
you know what it's like to be around other comedians? There's this real conceit. Here's an insight into comedy. There's a conceit with comedians that they're all like rough, hard-living, damaged people. So I sit around late at night with bars with other comics. They're like, man, I talked to my mom on the phone the other day, and she would not let me off the phone until I promised to get a real job. She like, I'd be on there. Okay, bye, mom. She'd be like, no, wait, wait. Promise me, promise me. And I, I have to interact by being like, oh, I know, man, I know. Every time, every time I get off the phone with my mom, there's this like pause where I'm like, all right, I'll talk to you later. And there's this long pause, and she goes, listen. You know I love you, right? Oh! Oh, brutal! Shut up, Mom! Don't make me start smoking so the other kids think I'm cool. I'll do it. <laughs> what we do together, my, the three of us, my mom, dad, and myself, the one thing we can bond over that we do together is we go to art shows and, and galleries. It's, it, it, we love it. We love just seeing art together. And I'm into that. I don't just do it for them. I love art. Which, I would like to take this moment to say, I realize I love art is a sentence that sounds like it cannot be true. <laughs> it's far too general. It is a There's two kinds of declarative statements, right? There's the ones that are just broad enough that the person sounds cultured. They go, someone said, oh, I love food. And you go, oh, imagine how many blogs they read, right? That kind of thing. And then there's I love art, which is general enough that it sounds like bullshit. It's like if somebody says, I love having sex with other people and you're like you have never done that <laughs> clearly not you wouldn't describe it that way you'd have stuff art and sex like I can tell art and sex have a lot in common by the way both things we take very seriously but on the way in we're all just actually like hope I see somebody naked right I love art okay so <laughs> The exhibit we went to this time was a, was a futurist, uh, it, it was a commentary on futurists from the 60s. So what that is, uh, is basically that there's a whole bunch of artists in the 60s that were futurists. They said, here's what, here's what we'll have in the future, flying cars and whatever. And it's the 60s, so it was flying cars and like buildings with a lot of angles, basically. That's the 60s, right? And then there's a, the, this exhibit was a whole bunch of artists from today looking at that work and producing art that comments on it. Comments is a nice way of saying makes fun of how wrong they were about fucking everything. <laughs> Right? Which is how we all treat futurists from the 60s. We're all like, ah, oh, you idiots with your peace and love, you morons. We don't have any of that. You're wrong. Which is ridiculous. We're very condescending to people from the 60s. About their, but like, when you really look at it, the issue is that they were optimists and we all let them down completely. <laughs> That's what actually happened. <laughs> If they showed up, if someone from the 60s showed up today, they'd be furious with us. They'd be like, Where are, where's my flying car? And we'd be like, okay, we don't have those. We are starting a few people to have electric cars? And they'd be like, we already had cars and electricity. It took you 50 years to put those together? What have you been doing? And it is shocking. How did no one in that entire period look at a car, look at electricity, and go, hang on, hang on, Eureka! Let's put one of these in the other one. You want to put a car inside a battery? Yes, because it's the 80s and resources are unlimited. Cocaine! <laughs> We don't have flying cars, we have nothing. They'd be so disappointed and angry with us. And the only thing, the only thing we could do to make them feel better, someone from the 60s would be like, do you have anything? What have you been doing for 50 years? And we'd be like, oh, we, right? <laughs> Fucking, now, th thanks to this phone, if I have a bad day, I can completely ruin a restaurant's public reputation immediately. <laughs> like that. You've all been absolutely lovely. Oh my God. That was Asaf Gerchuk. Hilarious guy, lovable dude, comedian of note. You can find him on Twitter at 
comedian of note. Keep track of him. We loved what he was talking about when he was talking about futurists and their visions for the future. So we decided to talk to a futurist, an expert in the future, Trevor Haldenby. That's coming up next. Uh, let's find out all together what a futurist does, um, that they're they're not a psychic, and um, often when they speak, you might feel like you've just dropped some acid. Get ready for this, guys. Hello, unknown caller. Hello. How's it going? I'm well. I'm well. So you, you, you're on the line with me. Can you hear me, me okay? Yeah, totally. You're on the line with me, okay, Deanne Smith, and... Jess Solomon! Hello, Solomon. All the way from New York. <laughs> Hi, Trevor. Uh, oh, great. Are you across, ready? To- across national adventure in audio. Hey, everyone, this is Deanne. And Jess. <laughs> As you guys could tell, there was quite a bit of a delay in that conversation that we had with Trevor. It was not a successful transcontinental adventure in radio. No, absolutely not. So Jess and I are here on my couch. No Trevor. No Trevor in another time, time traveling in this podcast. In the future. So we're going to do something unorthodox. What we're going to do is we're going to play snippets of the conversation that we had with Trevor, which was so interesting, and we were really into it. We're going to play snippets of that. And we're going to say what we want to say during the interview that we didn't really get in there. And so now is our chance to steamroll. (laughs) (laughs) Jess, you looked at me pleadingly with your eyes, just begging me to say steamroll at the same time as you. I didn't like to say it. I've been so so excited about it. That was great. I think we really pulled it off and I shouldn't even be talking about it now. But we didn't plan that and we did it. I just looked at you with steamroll in the eyes. Oh, man, we are getting our groove on in this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's give this guy the steamroll treatment. I mean, my first question was, uh, I, I, is a futurist a psychic? Is it not a psychic? Are you, do you, are psychics, you know, losers and you guys are scientists? Like what? We, we, we're starting at, at such a base level that we're, we're so curious about what it is that you do. And I don't really have a frame of reference. Uh, the term the term futurist means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Uh, if you're if you lived in various periods in ancient history, yeah, maybe you were like a, a mystic or an oracle uh, or a, uh, an advisor, a sage advisor. Um, but if you were uh, a European painter in the late 19th century and early 20th century, maybe it was a new way of understanding what was happening to the world with industry. And uh, now it sort of means a bunch of different things. Uh, I think the the kind of futurism I do, the species of it, is kind of like a social science. Uh, but it's also very much a creative practice. So I think it's, it's important to recognize that it's been a word used by painters and by uh, by fortune tellers over the years. It's about understanding not just what will happen in the future, but how people think about the future. Why, why won't he just talk about psychics? We I don't know. Fortune tellers. It's like, is it a bad word? Is it, should I not have mentioned it? Is it, are they losers? What's, what's going, <laughs> what kind of presidential press conference is this where uh, he doesn't answer our questions? I don't know. 
where's the, I feel like there's like, I, I, I wanted to create a beef if there wasn't a beef there between futurists and psychics. And he, uh, he took the high road on me. I know you're really, you're still trying to crank it up. You're trying to make it happen. <laughs> Have you ever been to a psychic? No, I've been to a tarot card reader. Okay. Is and? that the same thing? Well, they were right. Yeah. They I was, I was going right, to be shocked actually. if you as a queer had never been to a psychic. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have my my full queer credentials. Yes, you do. Uh, <laughs> I guess I do. I'm married to a woman. That has to count for something, mm-hmm. right? And you turned um, her 100%. Yeah, so I don't even need to go to a psychic. <laughs> what people the, should come to me now for psychic People should advice. come to you. What was, what was the tarot card reader write about? Well, I was at the very bottom time of my life. Everything was, was pretty bad, and so she pulled out the worst card that you can have in that deck. But she said that that was a positive thing because it meant that it was only up from there. And, and it was, and she said I was going to meet the love of my life. And I was hoping that it was like this other person that I was in love with at the time. Yes. And she said, I don't think it's going to be that <gasps> person, which really upset me. She yes. said, it's going to be somebody else. It's somebody you already know. <gasps> and wait, so, wait, was yeah. this when you knew your current wife? Yeah. Well, we knew each other from comedy, but we weren't, there was nothing happening. I was, oh my I gosh. Was still, yeah. Oh my and gosh. So, and so, and she turned out to be right. It was someone I knew. It wasn't the person I, I at the time wanted it to be. Right. But it turned out to be the right person. And it, it, it is a love for the ages. So. It is a love for the ages. So far. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I believe I, I, yeah, I mean that, that tarot, well, I actually, it was my aunt, that tarot card reader. Oh my so gosh. I don't know if that this changes is getting deeper. it. She wasn't a random person. She could read your cards if you want. I, I kind of do, but I kind of don't. Cause that, She's pretty it, good. I like the idea that she was like, you're at your lowest point and it's only going to get better. But that is devastating news in the moment if you're like, I want this person to be my soulmate. She's like, no, it's not. That's hard to take. I It wasn't what I wanted to hear. No. Well, at first when I saw her pull out that death card, because it looks ominous. Mm-hmm. I thought that this is the worst thing she could pull. Well, I guess and I'm going to die today. Yeah, exactly. And she said, no, it's not so literal. It can just mean that this is you're in a bad place. But it's the worst one. So all the other cards from now will be, you know, I, knew, I don't know how she said it. But it, 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 yeah, I started to feel okay about the death part, like the, having that bad card. But what I didn't feel good about was that she wasn't telling me what I wanted to hear, which was you and this woman are going to end up together. Yeah. The one that I that I was at the time uh, into. Oh my gosh. In love with. I don't feel in a low place, but I do have a lot of questions about the future. I think I'm going to get your aunt involved. Can I? Yeah. She's in, she's in Mexico. So let's, let's hop over that wall and <laughs> make it happen. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought we might address the future, but I think we've done it. We've done it. All right. Sorry, Trevor, you just got steamrolled. Cause that's a, it's a pretty important part of civilization. And it's uh, kind of backgrounded in our culture, other than through uh, like science fiction and some other places where the future pops through. Most of the time, we we celebrate the past and we learn about it. Uh, and I think we should spend more time creatively engaging and imagining what the future could be as we do learning about what the past has been. We should spend more time thinking about the future. I think we need to spend more time looking at the past so we don't repeat our mistakes in the future word uh so this is like a research field you can get a you can get a degree in in strategic foresight is the academic track that i can't have well, come at it through but your parents are still disappointed right there's a great program at ocad in toronto that that has it and there are a handful of other schools around the world that offer programs uh and all of them are pretty fascinating and unique some of them in pretty lovely exotic places 
Of course, of course, you're doing this in an exotic location. Nobody's thinking about the future while they're on the subway, no. squished in between like a bunch of people going to work, trying to have their coffee. It's only when you're on vacation and you're under a whole set of stars that you look up and you realize I'm so small in this universe and what's out there and what does the future hold. Yeah. That's the only time you have the time and space to think about it. That's true. I spent a lot of my 20s on beaches in Mexico, smoking weed, thinking about the future. I did, I did fuck all to prepare for it, but here we are. Word. (laughs) (laughs) I think we need to stop with word. The kind of work that I do, a lot of it is about uh, making the future come to life around people or trying to do that, trying to tell a very, a much more immersive story about what could happen in the future uh, that comes out of research and comes out of uh, creative imagining and comes out of just uh, out of this weird tradition of all these all the people who've done future in the history of people, there's a bunch of strange ones. And there are definitely a bunch of strange ones today. There are like folks patrolling the future's uh, circuit who are perhaps time travelers from the future themselves. Wait, what? What? I think it's possible. Uh, you know, like Steve, Stephen Hawking has thrown uh, a party for time travelers and nobody, nobody showed up. He says that he waited a very long time. Um, but they're like Ugh, hearing my laugh right now was painful i just want you guys to know we were not joking about that lag and i i just didn't i was just trying to process what this guy was talking about time travelers what even the second time around it is not that easy is he a time traveler what's happening i don't know let's find out more you got to think that there's some pretty serious guidelines on anybody that they'd let time travel like they're not going to break the rules and the rules probably uh, are pretty pretty scrupulous around not being able to like either probably interact with people at all, or if you do interact with people, you can't let them know what you are. If so, oh my gosh! So it's a, it's tough. I think it's I think it's um, <laughs> this is much more of a creative thought experiment than a physics thought experiment uh, in every way. But I think you could make the argument that it would, if properly regulated. It would be almost impossible for us to identify time travelers in our world. Are you still telling me that in, the, in future, the world they came from? You're yeah, telling me that in the future there's the still future. rules and regulations, man. <laughs> oh yeah, they've gone through like they've taken off their belt, they've taken off their shoes, they've emptied their pockets, they've had to like justify the liquids in their gel bag. Yeah. They have to. They got to go through the ringer. <laughs> the PSA is alive and well. I think that's. A, I mean, it's. <laughs> It's a horrifying thing to think about. So let's do another creative thought experiment, which is a phrase that I just heard and now love. Um, Why would someone from the future travel to the past uh, if they can't affect the past or interact with anyone? Are they just observing? Yeah. Maybe it's kind of like a messed up Westworld for the people of the future. They're like, I want to go back in time and and just watch people. I mean, uh, it's hard. You can, uh, if you go back to almost any period in the past, I think you could probably, for for us being 21st century folks who live in cities, going back to any period in the past and meeting any person, there's going to be like an increase in the amount of suffering that's going on. Yeah. I think over, over time, you could sort of mark that as a constant. And that's good that we're getting rid of more suffering most of the time. Happy New Year. Do you, do you think that that's a change <laughs> that will continue to the future? Less suffering for less people? 
Um, I think that everybody, everybody who has a plan about what's going to happen to humanity in the future includes that in their plan. Right. That's uh, so there's, nobody... there's a built-in optimism about the future state of humanity as in, in the futurist community, I guess. Uh, sometimes I think there's a, there's been, um, a healthy and sometimes unhealthy focus on dystopia in the community and in like the research and in the pop culture sense of the future. I think there's, there's been a little bit of a, a heavy dose of, of dystopia. Yeah. But I think that, I think that in certain amounts taken recreationally, dystopia is actually pretty good for you. It's totally okay. And it's very uniquely useful. Dystopias push us to an extreme where we actually have to, if they're, con- if they're convincing enough, they push us to an extreme where we Im- immediately imagine what we would do in a way that I think is, is unique. It's actually different than just thinking about it. You're imagining it in your, in your body and in your head. And dystopia that does that well, I think, is really powerful and convincing and can like make people realize in the context of the future what certain things that might be we might be able to get used to over like 20 years what they feel like if you move to them all of a sudden because that's really the thing everything is everything is always changing anything that for all of human history that's involved technology has been sort of a an experience of change but most for most of history the changes have been very gradual and it's only in the last couple of hundred years that technological innovation has picked up the way that it has. And if that stay, if it stays, if we stay where we are today in terms of the pace of innovation, which most people don't want to have happen because it blows up a growth economy and uh, it's, it seems to be counter to what's been happening so far, it just keeps accelerating the rate of change. Then, if you yeah, if you skip ahead even a short period of time i think you come face to face in society and everyday life with things that we would find very unsettling today and that if you did the same thing with us you might have to go back 30 or 40 years to have people be very unsettled with a lot of things that they see around them walking around the city that uh that was a lot of stuff to take in what are you thinking jess I think that if they're time travelers among us, they should at least be able to reveal themselves to Stephen Hawking. Good point. Yeah, That's a very like good if, point. If you've done that much physics, you should be allowed to know who the time travelers are on the earth. I he think. deserves it more than any of us. He really does. I've never thrown a party for time travelers. Me neither. I've barely even thought about them. I've never even thought of being a time traveler for Halloween. I mean, I saw Back to the Future, but that's as, that's as far as I, as much research as I've ever done on the yeah, topic. I didn't even see the sequel. How many were there? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure that I did either. <laughs> back to the Future 2, extra back to the re-future of the, the past. Prequel future. <laughs> Star Wars, what? Something. Yeah. Oh, man. Dee, what, uh, what are you thinking? What are your thoughts on the future? Ugh. Well, you see my face right now. My eyebrows are all knitted up in worry. I... It, it. I do feel. Was that the wrong phrase? I, never, I just never heard it before. I, I, I like it. I don't think it. you say knitted up, but I think. Can your eyebrows be knitted? <laughs> I'm going to Google it right now. You talk about the future while I'm googling whether or not I use that phrase correctly. I started thinking about if you've been knitting or if where it came from. Um, it's eyebrows. very. I'm yeah. It, it made me think of very bushy eyebrows, um, scarf-like eyebrows. 
Now we're learning about these idioms right now. Hang on. Eyebrows that keep you warm in the winter. Oh, nailed it. Is it? To knit your brows. To move your eyebrows, uh, equaling the hair above your eyes. Yeah. Thanks for letting us know about that. Closer together when you are worried or thinking carefully. I guess it's like a knitting kind of motion. Sasha knitted her brows as she listened to the storm forecast. Is that a current expression? When is it from? No, it's an idiom. <laughs> oh, it's an idiom, right. Um, but this entry is from 2006, but it's been around. I, I did say knit it up. I, I put a little bit of a current spin on the yeah, phrase. <laughs> I guess the real question here is, do you think the phrase knitted eyebrows will be still in use five years in the future? It sounds very dystopian <laughs> to me. <laughs> very scary. Ugh, okay. I'm kind of avoiding the question because um, I think that in general, I have a fatalistic bent. I think that's always kind of been true of the way that my brain works and how mm-hmm. I think about things. Um, and now with what is happening politically, it feels very difficult to be optimistic about the future. I'm trying hard to be optimistic about the future. Uh, you and I just went to the women's women's march recently. Yeah, that felt like a much needed injection of of hope and inspiration about the future, and just being around so many people that are working for change. That that felt that gave me a little feeling of. Uh, hope and optimism and there was a lot of knitting that happened there was a lot of knitting that happened and most people had eyebrows yeah and above their eyebrows knitted hats <laughs> you would, you're not gonna let this go i love it no i'm gonna uh, work it in but i also then another part of me believes that like anything we're talking about on the human scale and politics is irre- irrelevant because we're making technological changes so rapidly that i believe i think it's within the realm of possibility that soon Robots are going to overtake us. That very soon we've created the machine that then has control of itself. And we're, we're done playing that game. Yeah. I, I do feel like we've just gotten on that train. Yeah. And it's just barreling towards the dystopia more and more quickly. As Trevor described it, it's just it's coming. Like we're about to crash into it. Yeah. And even, um, I mean, you made fun of, fun of knitted eyebrows, but even like the metaphor of a train, doesn't yeah. that feel so antiquated in 2017? <laughs> but we, but like our human brains can't even keep up with all of the changing innovations. Yeah. I, I feel on the edge of um, how to say this. You and I have talked about being the last generation kind of the last great generation the last great generation we've (laughs) we've every time we get together we high five we call ourselves the greatest generation (laughs) no but we're kind of the last people to have grown up without the internet yeah um and for yeah exactly so now there's and i feel on the edge of even keeping up with technology today and i'm only hopefully at like around the midpoint of my life Mm mm-hmm I no, can't imagine. imagine kids that, I mean, my, my one-year-old nephew, he just, he knows instinctively to go for that phone. Yeah. He just loves the screen. He, and he doesn't know anything, but he knows that. <laughs> and he doesn't you know? know anything. He doesn't know anything. <laughs> but it's, it's almost, I don't know how it, and it starts to get built into the brain, brain at such an early age. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's transformed my brain in mostly negative ways so quickly. Um, and I had, oh. I, my brain formed for so many years without, technology or like yeah that kind exactly of technology that we have today yeah yeah i encountered i mean i had like a toaster smartphones. And- <laughs> i had a toaster <laughs> i love that you think a toaster is technology i, I, know, I don't want people to think i'm 102 but yeah <laughs> in case they did toaster. oh my god i mean you know yeah. hats off to the people that invented the stuff i grew up with i mean it wasn't nothing <laughs> 
<laughs> I remember I Teddy Ruxpin. Do you remember Teddy Ruxpin? I, yeah, he talked, right? That was, that was You had to put talked? a cassette in his back. Oh, yeah. And he would stand there and then he would like tell you stories from the cassette. But when I was like eight, <laughs> so creepy. that was intense. Yeah, he could blink his eyes and move his mouth. And I didn't have a Teddy Ruxpin because we weren't freaking rich. But yeah. uh, my friend did. And uh, that felt like the height of technology to me at that time. And things moved pretty quickly from cassette tapes to CDs mm-hmm. to... Where are we now? Are we don't we even know. Three. This is what I'm saying about us. We don't even know. And um, to your point, I discovered smartphones as an adult after my brain was hopefully mostly formed. Mm. I, I, I'd like to think I'm still uh, paving new neural pathways. A shout out to my therapy. But um, <laughs> uh, I know for sure that my attention span has decreased. I, totally. I, I've seen it. Ha- I can feel it happening. I read so much and yet I retain nothing <laughs> other than headlines that i can't remember if then when i followed up they were real news or not oh, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. It's, or if it was a joke or if it was satire what you know it's what is this world i haven't i haven't sat down with a with a book and and no internet around me in in, in for an extended period of time in a long time i'm making a concerted effort to do so mm-hmm. but i've had to rope in other people i started a book club i don't think you know oh, about yeah. this um oh wow yeah we started a book club we're gonna meet in a month thanks for including me (laughs) (laughs) you're out of town so much it's true we could have a private book club we could i could get on skype and we could have a huge delay (laughs) oh man Uh, well we should probably wrap it up yeah let's uh let's head back to trevor for a minute you can learn about my company at the mission.biz and about me at trevorhaldenby.com there's a i i created like a oh my god what's the word a homonym for my name as my twitter account and that's all my social media accounts it's t-r-e-v-v-e-r thank you so much trevor <laughs> thanks trevor okay have a great day see ya Dee, we've been talking about the future yeah. here and i'm wondering if you have any predictions for what the future might hold for jess solomon for jess solomon how far in the future 25 years. 25 years? They're supposed to be like in my lifetime, but I'm, you know. It's far in advance. Yeah. Um, hmm. 25 years. Well, I hope that we're still friends. I hope Solomon and Smith is still happening. Yeah. Um, your life. We're still steamrolling people. I hope we're still steamrolling people uh, and each other occasionally. Yeah. 25 years. Ha. You're going to have a dog at least. I like it. Are you going to have a kid? I mean, if it's 25 years and I get started soon, we could have that kid on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) They'd probably be the tech. I might have a kid. I mean, what I'm not saying that's that's obvious to me, Jess, is you're going to have a very successful comedy career. Oh, thank you. I think you're going to be known. Oh, okay. I want to see you as a pundit if that... If those things still exist, mm-hmm. I, I always you pronounce mean like words. If there's, a, if there's a free press, <laughs> if there's still a free press and a political system, yeah. and people are able to comment, yeah, I want to. Uh, well, might there be 
hologram puppets. <laughs> I feel like my imagining of the future. Is I think they already so have stuck in that. The 80s. They already have holograms on CNN from. I think they did it a couple of years ago and were ridiculed, and I haven't seen it since. Jess, I feel stumped. I was just such in a dystopian place, but I'm having a hard. I'm like, okay. I don't know. You and me in a desert in some bunker with yes. people we love around us. Hopefully, we can start a new community. I like it. You're 65. I can't even imagine. We'll bring back Burning Man like it's an old thing from the past. <laughs> Except we'll burn actual men. Yes. <laughs> no, okay. I sounded really enthusiastic about that. A little that. too a enthusiastic. Little too. All right, what do we? What's your predictions I, for me? I don't know. I just had this vision. Okay, okay. this is really like, why you okay. asked the question. I know, right? Because I just had this really cute vision. Okay, I like where it. the robots have taken over. Oh. But you know how like you're really good at befriending like weird people. <laughs> I just, I picture that you just make the robot that's come to destroy you your best friend. And the same thing with your chihuahua. Oh. So there, the, the, there's like you yes. and Rudy, the yes. chihuahua, your chihuahua that's still around. Oh, it would be amazing if she was still around. Yeah. And then there's, you've just somehow turned your robot like that came to get you into versions of yourselves so there's like you and the robot you that looks like and me? then Ru- yeah it has the same glasses and Aww. haircut yeah and tie now because you guys are best friends and kind of the same person and Rudy, are you saying i'm on the spectrum <laughs> no you just managed to bring you managed to humanize the robot back okay. to this world i like this vision. and and uh and you've negotiated for the robot not to take you over because you've just charmed them. And now you guys are friends and you eat vegan food together. And and the ch- and Rudy and as also a mini chihuahua, just like Rudy, who's um, super chill and also a little shaky. And uh, and then you guys all live like together. Probably you have like, you know, your girlfriend or wife, Hannah, or whoever. Well, you didn't mention it. I, I know. You, I guess, you I guess can't see me in a 25-year relationship. <laughs> it's true. I just picture you in your house with your mini uh-huh, robot uh-huh. and your mini dog. And the dog has a mini robot. Well, that, you know what? That feels fair. And uh, we, I think we got to stop the podcast. And I got to not just think about the future, but deal with my goddamn present. If you can't see me in a 25-year relationship, I mean. Maybe, maybe I gotta give my girlfriend a call. Maybe she has a mini robot too. You didn't see it. Uh, not immediately. I don't want your aunt to read my tarot cards. <laughs> Never mind. You're, and you're gonna be a really good and successful comedian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate the future. Thanks for listening. Uh, that was Trevor Haldendy talking with uh, Smith and Solomon about the future. Thank you guys so much for listening. Rate, subscribe. Uh, to the podcast and uh, if you're in Toronto check out our shows Solomon and Smith at the Bad Dog Theater and until we get our website up and running please go to smithsolomon.com forklift and CDL training they're projecting that between 2010 and 2020 employment of heavy and tractor trailer truck drivers is projected to grow 21% faster than the average of all occupations making CDL a valuable credential. Check out smithsolomon.com. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We'll see you guys in the future. Oh, it's ASMR bonus time. Bonus time.